0: Well, turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23. And you may say to yourself, "Uh, Leviticus, I don't really want to turn back there. It makes me want to cuss, Leviticus. But anyway, we're going to turn back there because we're going to begin this morning a study called Feast of Israel. I've done it years ago. I mean, literally years ago, maybe 20 years ago. We've looked at this. It's so amazing because it deals with us in a sense. We're going to see the Jewish holy days, or you could say it another way, the Jewish holidays. And we're going to see these days that are separate things that God set apart for the nation. They not only set them apart from all other nations, but they actually pointed out things. They showed things that had been past, that had happened in the past, but things that were happening in the future. In fact, we put it this way. The Feast of Israel are a foreshadow. Now, get this. This is what's amazing. Feast of Israel are a foreshadow of the person and the work of... Of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so what was given to Israel a long time ago actually put together in what the Messiah is going to do. And so we're going to see how that fits together this morning. There's a lot of good things there. So let's get into it. Let's start this way. First of all, there are two great holidays that we as Christians celebrate. Uh, and this one of them is not Halloween. okay? But anyway, so the two great holidays that we celebrate are Christmas... And Easter, and Christmas, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman. We don't know the date that Jesus Christ was actually born. If you look and go back through the history of the priest and Zechariah and his responsibility and basically... Uh, how he fit and when he fit in, it seems very possible that Jesus was born sometime in December, what would we call our December. And the most have picked out, the, the church throughout history picked uh, December the 25th, and I think it's a good one. In fact, it's probably very close to when Jesus himself was born. So we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, which is fantastic. And then we celebrate Easter, which is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those are the two big deals that we always talk about. And, and they're all important to us because it remembers, help us remember the birth and the death and the resurrection of our Savior. But for the nation of Israel, God gave to them certain holy days or holidays to celebrate as well, to think about that they could remember what He has done for them. And I want you to remind you something. The feast not only reminded the Jews of their past but also foreshadow of Jesus Christ. They show the person and the work of the Messiah. Think about this. Passover, we'll get to it, but Passover reminded the Jews, every time they think of Passover, it reminded them of the Jews of how God delivered them from Egypt. But Jesus used Passover to say... I'm the Passover lamb, and so Passover really pointed to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when we look at these feasts, we're going to actually see how they all tie together, how the Jewish people looked at them, and then how they foreshadowed the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So as we go through it, it's just very special. We're going to look at a lot of different feasts. On, the, on your handout, on the very back page... And we'll get to it in just a minute. I list some of these feasts and when they are and where they are in the Scripture and how they fit on, the, on, the, on those kind of things. So we'll get to it in a little bit. I just want you to know I put that on there. That's not all of them. We're going to see a lot of different things as we go through this study over the, the few weeks to come as we do this. Um, so I always start by, by thinking about what Prof. Hendricks used to say. Because when you think about the Bible, it all fits together. And Prof. Hendricks would say, God has spoken. And he has not stuttered. And that means the things he taught back and put in the Old Testament all fit together. We know that there's movements from some churches to ignore the Old Testament and to say the Old Testament doesn't mean anything. It's not really for us. Now, let me just say this to you. The Mosaic Law, we've never been under the Mosaic Law, and yet... Principles and truths from the Mosaic Law, we can learn from them, we can see from them. The whole feast days, which is part of the Mosaic Law, we've never been under that, and yet we can learn from and see things from that. So it's very important. Uh, if, you, if you ignore the Old Testament, where do you find the promise that the greater son of David would sit on the throne of Israel, the promise about Jesus. Where do you find the promise of Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob and Jacob to Judah on down that the Messiah is going to come from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah? Where do you find that if you ignore the, the Old Testament? Where do you have the prophecies and understanding about the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ if you ignore the Old Testament? So we're not going to ignore it. We're going to actually look at the Old Testament, put it together, see what God's word has to so let me remind you of something that you all know. We teach this all the time that revelation is God making himself known. Now, he makes himself known in a lot of ways. He did dreams, he did through angels, he did through prophets, he did all kinds of different things. So that's called revelation. Inspiration is God making himself known in a written form. That's why the Bible says all scripture is. Inspired by God, that's written revelation. You have in your hand the written revelation from God. It, it's better than a than a vision. It's better than a dream. In fact, that's what Peter says in the book of Peter when it was uh, First Peter when he says, "We have a more sure word of prophecy." He said we actually saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. We saw him, but we got something better than that, and that's the written revelation. You know why? Because if you have a vision or a dream. Let's say God reveals something to you in a dream. You could wake up from the dream and say, I hope that was God. I think it was God. Maybe it was God. Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it's what I ate. Who knows what happened? But when you have written revelation, it does not change and you have the written word of God. So revelation is God making himself known. Inspiration is God making himself known in a written form. We're going to look at Leviticus chapter 23. That's where we're going to start. God's revelation to his people uh, to, on their fe- feast days. And, and these days look back to miraculous events that God did for His people, but they also give a foreshadow of the person and the work of the Messiah. So do you realize that when you look at the feast days given to the nation of Israel, they really are a picture of Jesus Christ. That's who they are, and we're going to see it as we go through it. Realize Christ could come at any time. And so as we look at these feasts, these feasts points to the end times. You may not realize that, but the kingdom... Ties back to to the tabernacles, which we'll talk about that when we get to it. All of this ties together the feast point to the end times, to the first and second coming of Christ, and even the kingdom. So let's think about what happened. So the nation of Israel was in Egypt and they had been there for 400 and something years, and God raised up Moses, and Moses and his brother Aaron went, and they confronted the Pharaoh, and they went over and over and over again, and and it all panned out, basically, that God, they said, let my people go, and Pharaoh wouldn't, God brought all the judgments, they left, part of the Red Sea, went all the way, made it. Then they got to a place called Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. And while God, while they were there, God gave them what we'd call the law, the Mosaic law, because it's all deal with Moses. And he gave it to them. And some of that is, is found in uh, Genesis and then Exodus. you got information there. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those books all talk about the law and the things that God gave to his people. Now, our first statement would say, oh, are we under the mosaic law and the answer is what no we never have been so i just want you to understand that so you could say well why are we looking at this because it is really a foreshadow of jesus christ so let's look at chapter 20 leviticus 23 look at verses 1 and 2 it starts off the lord spoke again to moses now think about this if you notice that uh, the, uh, the name of lord there is what it's all for what Capitals, which means it's Y-H-W-H. This is the personal name of God in the Old Testament. There is the word L, which is the singular form of God. There's Elohim, which is the plural form of God. There's Adonai, which is really translated most of the time, Lord, a capital L and little O-R-D. And then there's Y-H-W-H. We think we pronounce it Yahweh. We're not sure. That is the personal name of God, all four capital letters. And notice, and the Lord spoke again to Moses. Now he's giving giving him information. And here's what he says. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, the Lord's appointed times which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. And he's about to list them. And then when he says appointed times, he's really saying holy days, set apart days, days that I want you to remember. The Lord's appointed time, holy days, set apart days. I, I'm going to say this probably in a, a couple of lessons on up, but I had a friend that was Jewish that... Uh, When I was in Starkville, when I was coaching at Mississippi State, and he became my friend, I'd go see him, and he would always tell me that uh, being Jewish is better than being a Christian. And I'd say, no, it's not. And he'd say, yes, it is. And I'd say, why? And he says, we have a lot more holidays than you have. That's what he, you know, he was that kind of guy. And there are, there's a bunch of them compared to us. And so we're going to look at that. Now let's talk about something just for you to grasp this. The law was divided into three parts, the commandments, the ordinances, and the judgments. Even though there are three parts, I've had people say, well, we're under one part of the law. No, the law was never broken. The law was put together. The law as was as a The commandments was the moral code. The ordinances were the statutes, the sacrifices, and the feast days. And the judgments dealt with the social code. What food you could eat, what clothes you could wear, the kind of relationship. So I put it this way for you. The commandments, if you look at it, commandments, the moral code, showed us we needed a Savior. The ordinances, which dealt with the sacrifices, showed us how to have a Savior. It was by faith in the Messiah. And then you lived under that. And then the judgments were the social code. How do you live? How do you interact with each other? That was how the Mosaic Law was set together. Now, there are some people that um, that actually think that you're supposed to be under the Mosaic Law. I'm going to read something to you at at the end of the lesson that you will think that these people thought they were under the Mosaic Law. There are Christians today who actually think they're called theonomists, Theos means God. Namas means law. Theonymous means God's law. They think they, that the Christian life is lived under the Mosaic law. Well, that doesn't work. Law always causes sin. It does. I mean, we're not under Mosaic law. And, and so, we just want to see that. But the, the focus there is, under this Mosaic law aspect was to show you how it fit together. Now, with that in mind, there were different feasts. Five, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, over these weeks, we're going to look at five different types or sections of the Holy Days uh, uh, feast. And we're going to look at a weekly feast. They had a feast every week. It was called Sabbath. Then they had a feast every month. It was called the New Moon Feast. Then they had feasts every year. There were seven major yearly feasts. We're going to find them in Leviticus 23, but there's more. We're going to see several others that were every year. Then they had some feasts that were not every year. There was a sabbatical year which was every seven years. It was a year of Jubilee, which was every 50 years. And then their special feasts we'll talk about like a wedding feast, or a bar mitzvah, or a bat mitzvah, those kind of things. They're all kind of different feasts, and we'll see those. On the back of your handout, I have basically from Leviticus twenty-three, twenty-five. I have for you the Sabbath, Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Tabernacles, and then I put in there sabbatical year, and the year of Jubilee. That that's all in Leviticus chapters 23 and 25, or uh, through 25. So that's for you, and you can use that as we go through the study. And once again, you might raise the question what are, what are these feasts, Passover, and unleavened bread, and first fruits, and Pentecost, what, what does that have to do with us? Well, what day did Jesus die on the cross, do you know? On Passover. What day did he rise from the grave? First fruits, what happened on the day of Pentecost, the church began, what is the day of atonement, and why is it important even to us? So as we look through this, we'll see some things that will tie in to our Savior. Let me just say this, when you study the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament actually is pointing to Jesus Christ, the great high priest, or the high priest, he had certain robes. He had certain things that he would wear. And he was called the high priest and he had a particular job. Guess what? The high priest of Israel is a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, our high priest. Every sacrifice and the Old Testament law And there were a lot of different sacrifices. All of those sacrifices pointed to Jesus Christ. When you looked at the feast days that we're going to be looking at, every one of those feast days point to Jesus Christ. And and as you go through the whole Old Testament and you see all of those aspects, everything was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ. That's why it's important that we look at this. Now, here's something that you need to understand. That the the Jewish calendar is based on the moon. The Jewish calendar has 360 days in the Jewish calendar. We have how many? 365 and a fourth, right? And so every four years we have another day, so we have what we call leap year or something like that. Jewish calendar isn't that way, it's based on the moon. And the month, their month starts at a new moon, which means you can't see it, remember? New moon. And then on the 15th of the month, there's a full moon. And that's how it works out. Just what day did Jesus die on? The 14th day of the first month. That means there had to be a full moon when Jesus died. See? So think about how all that fit together. That's why it's just amazing. But so Jewish calendar is different. And what they do is they have a month called Adair. And after about every six or seven years, because it's based on the moon and it gets off, they add another month. And about every six or seven years, there's a second month of Adair. So they add actually month to get the calendar lined back up again. What we do is about every four years, what do we do? We add a day somehow. And you just don't want to be born on the 29th because then you don't have that many birthdays. But anyway, so the Jewish calendar is based on the moon, first of the month. We're going to talk about that. In Leviticus 23, he gives a weekly holiday, a monthly holiday. Holiday, then he gives a listing of spring holidays, summer holiday, and fall holidays. So where are we right now we 're in the fall, so the holidays are going on in fact, I have a Jewish calendar. I was going to bring it and, and go over it and show you where things are because they 've been celebrating different things already this fall, and we 'll talk about about it more well let 's start with the time that we have, and let 's look first at the weekly. The weekly holiday or the weekly feast, and you know what it's called? It's called the what? The Sabbath. the Sabbath, Shabbat. That's what they say. Shabbat, which means what? What does Sabbath mean? It means to rest. That's what it means. It's a rest day. It's a rest day. It means to rest. God told His people they're to work how many days? Six days and rest on the seventh. That's what He told them. That's the pattern that God gave them. I want you to do this. Uh, uh, hold your place. And flip over to Exodus 20, okay? Just go back a little bit. Genesis, Exodus 20. And I want you to see something. And this is God already giving this information. You know, one thing about God, He doesn't just do something once. Uh, The Mosaic Law, He repeats it two or three times in Exodus and Leviticus. And then in Deuteronomy, which means second law, He gives it all again so that they can make sure they got it. Look at Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the what? What does it say? Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, set apart. Six days you will labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God in which you shall not do any work. Or your son, or your daughter, or your male, or your female servants, or your cattle, or your soldiers who will stay with you. Nobody's supposed to work on that day. Why? For, and he explains why. For in six days... The Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, go back again to Leviticus. So, here we have this day uh, that we're going to talk about, uh, the Sabbath day. So, look look at verse uh, chapter 23, verse 3. For six days... Work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. So the first one we're looking at is the Sabbath. And we might ask ourselves a question. Are we under the, a Sabbath day? Are we supposed to be under the Sabbath? Well, remember, uh, a calendar, the first day of the week is what? What's the first day of the week? Sunday. And what's the last day of the week? Saturday, so they worked six days and rested on the seventh. So what day is the Sabbath day? It's Saturday. You understand that? Uh, so if you're going to rest on the seventh day, there's not going to be many football games you go going to or anything like that. But just think about it. So here's understand this great truth that God made a Sabbath rest for people. In fact, he says, you shall work six days, rest on the seventh. God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And this is the rest for them. And so man had a day to rest. Think about it. What if you didn't have a day to rest? Now, in our culture, you work Monday through Friday. Most people do. Some people do other things. And then a lot of people have two days off. They have Saturday and Sunday off. Some people don't. Some people work six days and then they rest a day or some Things like that. I have, I, mine's different. My day off is Monday. Not Saturday or Sunday. You know, because technically I'm working right now. Technically. You may not call it work, but it, but anyway, so here's what, here's what Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for mankind. Mankind's supposed to work and then he has a day off to rest and to worship and to, and to recover. And that's what he told the Jewish people. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then Saturday, the Sabbath is a rest day. And man always takes what God does and messes it up. Think of salvation. What did he say? Salvation is a gift by faith alone in Christ alone. Abraham believed God. Adam and Eve believed God. Noah believed God. Uh, Isaac, Jacob, David, all the way through. Everybody believed. Then some man says, no, you have to do good works. If you don't do good works, you're not saved. They messed it up. Well, what about the Sabbath? What was the purpose of the Sabbath? Work six days and then have a what? A day off, and that day off was an opportunity to worship God and to rest, but people, they came up with laws and rules and restrictions and everything you could name. This is in uh, Mark chapter uh, 22, 27, and 28, and all it really says, Jesus said it is clear that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the... Sabbath. And under, the, under Mosaic law, all of these religious people started making up rules. And they'd say, here's the Sabbath day. And you can't do these things on the Sabbath day. God, God didn't say what you could or could not do on the Sabbath day. In fact, he said, the Sabbath day is your rest day. The Sabbath was man to rest and enjoy, not bondage and legalism. And what did the Sabbath become for the Jewish people? Legalism. Look at this. The synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, because they're all happy that this man was healed, but the the religious leader, the synagogue official said, Wait a minute, there's six days in which work should be done, so come during them and get healed, but not on the Sabbath day. How stupid that is, right? Okay, and then look, look what Jesus said. But the Lord answered and said, What, you hypocrites? Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his donkey or his ox or donkey from the stall and lead him away to water? What Jesus is saying is, don't you take care of your animals on the Sabbath day? And technically, you're working. You're going out and getting your animal, and you're taking them out and letting them drink water. Is that okay to do that? And then he actually said in another place that when the priest offered sacrifices on the Sabbath day, they're working on the Sabbath day. But it's okay. And then he uses the time when David wanted to eat I wanted to get something to eat from the priest. And the priest said, the only thing I got is the bread. That's the show bread, but I'll give it to you. You're not supposed to have it, but I'll give it to you. And God said, that was fine because David had a need. It's not legalism. And so what you find, if an animal needed help, if a person needed help, by the time of Christ, the religious leaders made the Sabbath so restricting, you couldn't do anything. Let me tell you, I found two things. That One one is, under the Sabbath day, a woman was not allowed to look in a mirror. She was not allowed to look in a mirror. Why? Because she would go, uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then she'd be working. That's what they said. She'd be working. On the Sabbath day, if you were outside and mud hit on you, you had to wait till it dried, and then you could hit three times Anything after that was working on the Sabbath day. They had so many rules at the time of the Maccabees. Antiochus Epiphanes the that evil man, he attacked Jewish people on the Sabbath day because he knew that they would not—they weren't ready to fight because they were resting. Over and over and over, we see this. What about the Sabbath? So here's a question or two: Are we to observe the Sabbath day, or? A Sabbath day. And so, first of all, realize this. That we're not under, we've never been under the Mosaic Law. We're not under the Mosaic Law. And so, we're not under that Sabbath aspect, okay? But there's confusion with a lot of people. Because a lot of people think Sunday is the Sabbath. How many people you ever talk to and they say, Well, Sunday's the Sabbath day. No, it's not. Saturday's the Sabbath day. Sunday is the first day of the week. I remember that when I started growing as a Christian, I was talking to Nap and he said something about it. I said, oh, no, no, Nap, Nap, everybody knows. Monday's the first day of the week and Sunday's the last day of the week. He said, you got a calendar? Like, I went, I, yeah, I found one and I looked at it and I went, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I said, Nap, you're right. Sunday's the first day. He said, that's right. They worked six days and rested on the Sabbath, which was what day? Saturday and we, it's different Sunday for us the Lord's, it's called the Lord's day it's Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 we don't worship on the Sabbath day that's Saturday we worship on the first day of the week that's called the Lord's day and why do we worship on the first day of the week because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week that's the key that's why we worship that way and that's the great truth now let me give you a great truth and principle we need a day of rest you need at least one day that you don't work, that you can worship, enjoy time away from the pressures of work or life, and that you can actually rest. And so you should have a Sabbath because God planned it that we would work and rest. And for the Jewish people, work and rest for us, it's rest and work. Because we, we, we rest and then work, and they worked and then rested. And it doesn't matter. And so I have a day off. My day off is Monday. I, I just don't hardly do anything on Monday. Uh, and, and for y'all, some of you, you may work six days and at least take a day off. Some people have to work on Sunday. Some people have to work other days a week and just take different days and do that. Now, I want to I show you what happens when Christians still think they're under Mosaic Law or Christians don't understand the difference between the Lord's Day and Sabbath Day. This is from Laura Ingalls. Remember, Little House on the Prairie. And she writes about what it was like when she went to church as a child. Now, I want you to understand, they thought that Sunday was a Sabbath day, and they thought they were under law. Listen to what it says. When Grandpa was a little boy, Sunday did not begin on Sunday, as it does now. It began on sundown on Saturday night. Everything stopped, every kind of work or play. Supper was solemn. After supper, Grandpa's father read a chapter of the Bible. Everyone sat straight and still in their chair. When they all knelt down, their father said a long prayer. When he said amen, they got up from their knees, each took a candle, and went to bed. They must go straight to bed with no playing or laughter or talking. Sunday morning, they ate a cold breakfast because nothing could be cooked on Sunday. Then they all dressed in their best clothes and walked to church. They walked because hitching up the horse was work and no work could be done on Sunday. They walk slowly and solemnly looking straight ahead. They must not joke or laugh or even smile. Grandpa had two brothers walk ahead and the father and mother walk behind. In church grandpa and his brothers must sit perfectly still for two hours, listen to the sermon. They dare not fidget on the hard bench. They dare not swing their feet. They dare not turn their heads to look at the windows or the walls. They must sit perfectly motionless and never for one instant take their eyes from the preacher. When church was over, they walked slowly home. They might talk on the way, but they must not talk loudly and they must never smile or laugh at home they ate cold dinner which had been cooked the day before then all the long afternoon they must sit in a row on a bench and study their catechism until at last the sun went down and sunday was over but well, that would really make me want to be a christian wouldn't it when you put yourself under law like that well think about this one of my favorite movies is chariots of fire and here is Eric Little from Great Britain, uh, Scotland, actually, the fine Scotsman. And yet he thinks Sunday's the Sabbath. He's been taught all his life Sunday was the Sabbath. So he would not run on the Sabbath day. It's what he thought was the Sabbath. I wish I could have been there. and I could have said, Eric, it's not the Sabbath you can run. <laughs> right? But he didn't, and everybody else told him it was the Sabbath day. And so he didn't run, and of course he broke a world record and won the other event, the 400 meters instead of the 100 meters, and he is a great hero and a great person, but he was confused because he said, I will not run on the Sabbath day, and they said that was Sunday, and his heat of the 100 meters was on a Sunday, and he said, I can't do it, but the heat for the 400 meters, which he wasn't even qualified for, but they gave him the right to run it, and he ended up breaking the world record and winning it, uh, They said, well, it's not on Sunday, so I guess you could run it. Now, did not it break your heart that a person thinks that the Sabbath day is Sunday and that we're restricted to doing hardly anything? No smiling, no laughter, no enjoyment. Uh, Did you think that those kids sitting there felt like they were worshiping God? No, think about that. And the Mosaic law was never set up that way. The Mosaic Law people had freedom. Jesus said the, law was, the Sabbath was made for men, but the, by the time of the religious leaders, they turned the Sabbath into a legalistic thing that you couldn't do anything. Just like Laura Ingalls uh, you know, ran into as well. So we've seen the, the very first one. Okay, that's, this is what we're looking at today. So let me give you, before we break, let's go look at this. Let's, um, we do, let me say this. We need a day of rest. A day that we do no work. A time to enjoy. Okay, so here's our application. Let's understand Feast of Israel. And it's going to take us a while. And you can even see how the very first one deals with us. Because how many people have thought in their lives that the Sabbath and Sunday are the same day? Did any of you believe that Sabbath and Sunday was the same day? I I didn't know. Did you? Yeah. It's not, is it? What day? Sunday is the first day of the week. And the Sabbath is the last day of the week though so understand it and we're going to see as we go through these weeks some more of these feasts and how they fit together is really beautiful second let's do this let's take time weekly to rest from our work you should have at least a day off you should have something i remember when i was in seminary and i was working and studying and i I really hardly had any time off and i remember one of my professors said to me you need to take some day that you don't study and you don't work And I said, well, that's almost impossible because the the day that I'm not in school, I am working. But he said, well, you need to have some kind of time, whether it's just one night and part of the next day, that you don't study, that you have a break, that you don't have to do something. And I did, and it made a lot of difference. And then when I started going to Borger and going back and forth, it was a lot easier. But I think every one of us in this room, you need at least one day that you rest and worship. And in the old days... Most everybody worked six days, uh, and and for for most people, they came to rest on Sunday. They worshiped and rested. Now, those people, that was legalism, but for a lot of us, it's just a great day. I remember, and of course, we never went to church, but I remember one time, it was a Sunday afternoon, and I told my mother, I think I'm going to go play some touch football with some guys. She said, maybe you ought not do that today. Now, we never went to church, but my mother, I think, had been taught that Sunday was kind of a day that you shouldn't do anything. And I remember saying, well, I think I'm going to play football. Anyway, <laughs> I was a bad job. But anyway, that, that's what we did. So uh, I hope and pray that all of you have at least a day that you can rest and recover and worship. And if it's a Sunday, come on in, worship, sing, pray, have a great time. Go home, eat, rest, watch football, do anything you want to do. You know, take a day off from your work. Because some people's jobs are six days a week and some people's jobs aren't.